Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And breathe. What a morning in the Champions League here on Optus Sport with Chelsea and Ajax for all. Incredible stuff. David Wiener here with you for another episode of The Gagnapod, joined by Michael Bridges and Luke Wilkshire. So much to get stuck into, including... Liverpool against Manchester City. Let's get started. Wow, Luke, Bridgie. Well, Bridgie, welcome back to Australia and what a welcome home. I'm still on a massive high from an amazing morning of Champions League action. It's great to be back, Dave. The, the flight over was nice and easy and then coming in this morning I thought we might struggle with a little bit of jet lag I'll tell you what that kept me awake because it was a four well an eight goal thriller four four fantastic football all round and not only that game there was goals galore to watch in the Champions League so a great one to return back to yeah I reckon it was the most dramatic morning in the sense that 80th minute eight games going on and you probably couldn't pick the storyline for three or four of them so it was amazing stuff but we'll begin Luke with the four four we have to Chelsea Ajax Incredible drama. Challenge to you. Try sum it up in 30 seconds. Incredible drama. Jeez, I think um, 30 seconds is definitely wouldn't be able to do it justice. What a game. I think uh, a game of two halves. You know, Ajax were unbelievable the first half, deservedly led at halftime and extended the lead. But the the two red cards in, in the same time, they uh, changed the game and Chelsea, credit to them, they come back. How's that, Bridgie? 20 seconds, he's done well. Very good, very good. <laughs> I felt pressure there, mate. I saw you, <laughs> saw you look at the stopwatch. <laughs> how, how good was that, though, in terms of uh, entertaining fair? What did what what happened to Ajax? 4-1 up, how do you blow it from there? Well, let, let's go backwards to when they played Tottenham. And Tottenham, when they, it was a semi-final game. Yep. Ajax won the first leg at Spurs. You know, me and Richard were there at the stadium. The second leg, for Tottenham to come back, Ajax absolutely destroyed them first half. And second half, what they did, they sat back, they absorbed pressure, and they allowed Tottenham to basically bully them with playing a bit more of an aerial ball into the area, picking up the seconds. And Tottenham got the result in the end because Ajax stopped doing what they were doing in the first half. And this was very reminiscent because, yes, they went 4-1 up just after half-time, but Chelsea came out with this intent. They were going forward at every opportunity and Ajax just started to go, you know what it is, we're going to drop a little bit deeper. They weren't putting as much pressure on the ball as they did first half and then the two red cards didn't help the situation whatsoever. But they don't seem to be able to have a plan B when they need to change things up. And some managers, and this is their philosophy, they always want to try and keep playing it. But when they're starting to drop and the pressure's not on, they haven't got the defensive organisation as some top managers around the world like you Mourinho's have had over the years, like Arsene Wenger's had when the Arsenal had their defensive shape. They, they, that organisation went to shut shop, and that's where they really, really lack Ajax because it's still so open their game. It was phenomenal, and uh, when they're at their best, Luke, they're almost. You saw that Chelsea couldn't play him in the first half. It was it was relentless. But I want to ask you because you played so much in Holland. Is that something in terms of the the level that when they have got that challenge come back at them that maybe they don't have that rigorous test week in week out and we see that at this level? Yeah, it's another level, and they they do. It's Dutch football. They they play total football, and you know you can play against the bottom of the league in in the Eredivisie, and they're going to play attack and open football um so it is in their dna and and you see when they're when they're on their game they're better than anyone uh you know and i mean that i know bridge is a little bit harsh with them in terms of shutting up shot but it didn't help when you get your two central defenders sent off it made it very difficult but i i thought they you know that first half they played and they played chelsea tried to press them and they played through them um you know we talk about the energy from the front four not just with the ball and their movement but on their press their high press um and it spends a lot of energy and that's why can you go and you have that high press for 90 minutes? You can't at times. You've got to be able to sit back. But I look at that type of football, Luke, that they play. It's absolutely awesome to watch with and without the ball. Liverpool have that ability as well. They're absolutely frightening to watch. But when they need Champions League's final, 
when they went 1-0 up against Tottenham, they had the, the nous defensively to get a shape and say, you can't break us down and we're going to catch in the counter. That's, that's the difference in the styles of management that I see between the two teams. I love watching them, but they've got to be so much more, is the word astute, when they're defensively trying to hang on to games. Okay, turn to Chelsea because really the game turned on its head because of that ridiculous second half. Yes, the two red cards, what a flashpoint. Um, but phenomenal, phenomenal fair. Quickly on the red card, the two red cards. Mind-boggling, but was it right? 100%. Uh, Blins was his second yellow. He can't argue with that at all. I think um, Veltman, they say it was for dissent and there was a lot of a lot of argument towards the referee. I think there was hands there laid was on, hands the, on yeah, the referee. Yeah, there was well. hands on the referee as well. So, you know... On, on all that commotion, I guess, it, you know, he, the referee's got to do it. He gave me second yellow and, and you're off. And, you know, could you imagine as a manager, you're there, you're up 4-1 away at Chelsea in the Champions League and you get one sent off and then you turn, you've got a penalty against you and your second central defender sent off. It's, that's phenomenal. What <laughs> two, a two experienced players. Have you ever seen that before? Uh, I haven't actually, no. I can't remember. No, I can't think of it. Not two sent off. I've seen two red two cards, red cards in, a game, in a penalty. But not actually in the way that it unfolded and how quickly it was and for them two central defenders. And that's why the managers get paid the big money. You've got to come up with instant... This, nothing can train you or coach in the when you go through your badges to actually see if this happens in the game. It's almost like a made-up scenario. They'll put you... You know, when you go through your badges, they'll put you in different scenarios. Imagine on the courses that we're doing, you know, Luke and the guy goes, oh, you know, you've got your two sent-offs, they've just been sent off, and, and you've got a penalty against you, you'd go, mate, just give us something that's actually realistic, will you? Yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's true. Chelsea, you spoke about managers getting paid the big bucks, okay, so Frank Lampard, Chelsea, how do you sum up what you learned about them today? They have got a spirit and a, how do you say it, a work ethic for the manager that I don't think they would have had under their last two managers to roll their sleeves up and do that. And I don't think the managers before Frank would have given them the incentive to say, go forward and let's let's go and try and get back into this. Uh, I don't mean get back into it. I mean go, no go and win the game. Had, you had no, had no choice. Yeah. When, when you go down 3-1 at halftime, and it's a Champions League, and it's a game they needed to win at home. But look, there's so many managers would have gone, let's just have damage lim- limitation. Yeah, maybe after watching that first half and the way Ajax dominated yeah. them. That's I possible. Ju- but I, I think... I knew Chelsea, and I, but I think the first half I showed that Chelsea aren't quite there at that level. Um, but, but the spirit at the that same is time, in there, that camp. there is, there's no doubt. And, and and look, credit to Frank, he wasn't afraid to make a big call in bringing on young James. Reese James mm, yeah. and taking off Alonso at half time. And he did also help shape the second half. Mm. A symbolic, I mentioned on an air, a symbolic goal given he's the youngest Champions League goal scorer for Chelsea, fitting of a side where the youth have been trusted. I think you're right, Luke. I think it's almost that game sums up the current Chelsea. So raw that you can cop three, four goals because you're trying to go gung-ho and you can get exposed, but with the spirit to actually be able to get back into the game. I think a lot goes down to, Dave, it's what the players, have, they've come through the system at Chelsea, they want to play for this football club, they know what the shirt and the jersey is all about. I think there's a lot of teams don't have enough of their own DNA. Ajax do because they come through this system. Chelsea now, the class of 92 at Manchester United, I turned to you and said this could be a new little era at Chelsea where you've got four, five or six players from the youth team or the academy that are going to play. And the fans love it. The players... When, when a player comes to your academy and gives the ball away or they make a mistake, you don't hear as much, oh, oh rubbish, oh, give the ball away. They're kind of like, oh, come on, when you get it again, try something new. The, and I've, I noticed that in Newcastle United when I was there recently um, in their game against Wolves. It was the la- last weekend. They had the two Longstaff brothers playing mm. in the midfield. They lost a few balls. The fans never said a word. When it was an international player giving the ball away, they were, they were straight in the backs. I think it's a massive, massive incentive and Frank and the staff have shown the other teams in the Premier League that what you can do when you give a player a chance, an opportunity that knows what it means to represent that jersey. Absolutely infectious. Um, question is though, Luke, can they get out of this group? Because it is precariously placed. Seven points Valencia, seven points Ajax, seven points Chelsea. As good as the 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 tone is around Chelsea at the moment, this is really, really tight stuff with a trip to Valencia to come. It is. I think this next game in Valencia could be crucial. Obviously... Their, their last two home matches, if they haven't been able to win uh, with a loss and a draw and they'll go away to Valencia and then back home against Lille in the final game uh, to try and qualify. 
It's interesting, and and honestly, when you're looking at this group and the three teams in Valencia, Ajax, and Chelsea, you, you really couldn't pick it at this point of time. I don't think. Who misses out for you? I, I honestly can't you, call you can't, it. Yeah, I can't, I I can't call it. I'm I, not going. I'm not going to ask Dave because he's not going to say Chelsea, <laughs> is he? But but look, I, you know, and any of those teams, I think, are capable on their day. And but yeah, I, th- oh, I think uh, after, maybe after the next round of games, we can can make a judgment. Here's one for you though, as we conclude on this, if. Chelsea do not go through. They're currently the top four in the Premier League. If they don't go through, we've just been waxing lyrical about what they do for Lampard. And you talk about the forgiveness for the players. Lampard's almost got a bit of a, a scope here that no other Chelsea manager has ever had. How would you assess the situation if Chelsea did not go through? Does that change the progress that you've seen from Chelsea under Frank Lampard this season? As an outsider looking in and not being a fan of the club, no, not at all, because I'm... I'm going to say, and I'm going to put myself in your shoes being a fan, I would be delighted at the football they're playing now rather than the sorry ball. Yes, sorry ball was great, but you know, I see that pass from Janino the other week where he played in Tammy Abraham, head down, played it forward. Sorry had them playing little little yeah. intricate passes to try and get the numerical numbers up in that mid-third, and I'm kind of like, it became one-dimensional. Frank's given them a whole new lease of life, so whether they don't get through this Champions League, for me, if I was a fan, it wouldn't bother me because I'm so excited by the football they're playing. You still going to the Europa League, yeah? If they come third, if yeah. they come third, yeah, well, they well, will come third, yeah. 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 So they've you know still got that opportunity, shown they can win that as as well. But um, no, nothing, nothing should tarnish what Frank has done to this this team um, in his short term. Yeah, I wrote I wrote a piece on the Optusport app before this game, which uh, halfway through the game this morning, I, I joked with you that I, I slid it down the the carousel on the site just to make it, and then I brought it back up the carousel. Did you see what side. happened, Luke? <laughs> he was actually typing up the article, and then when they were four one down, the, I saw him hit the delete button. <laughs> and he deleted the headlines and everything. So I'm looking forward to reading it and see what you actually put back but in. Do you, know, do you know, just to sum it up, the thing is, as a Chelsea fan, I think it's very obvious that I'm a Chelsea supporter. What really brought me a great deal of joy, and I know it was against Watford uh, on the weekend but it was what that first goal meant it was Kovacic who was a player that was stale under Sari. it was a ball to Willian who's an experienced stager it was a ball to Abraham a youth given the chance with a cross to Pulisic a guy that a month ago the media was trying to go mm, maybe Lampard doesn't like him but Lampard played him to perfection in terms of the man management and that to me summed up the progress that he's made in one lovely little snapshot. So we'll see what happens. Um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we know tone can change very quickly, but there just seems to be a good vibe around Chelsea and magical games like that aren't going to hurt anyone. It was a damn busy morning because while that was going on, we had Borussia Dortmund coming from two goals down against Inter Milan. What another game that was and what a group that is shaping up to be. Yeah, it is. It's another one. I mean, there's there's so many to look at. I think, um, you know, obviously with the the game the other week where Inter managed to to knock them off at home. I think going down two nil Dortmund um, again a game of two halves. Inter up two nil at half time. Uh, Dortmund, what happened at half time? They come out with so much energy, and we talk about the high press. Um, they had that, and they just had that that ruthlessness, and they they needed that victory. It was crucial for them. Absolutely crucial, because you know what, Bridgie, at half time of that game, I'm thinking, geez, having just watched Barcelona against Slavia Prague, where uh, by the time we finish this podcast, I reckon we can go into the Spanish newspapers and see them absolutely rip into Ernesto Valverde. I thought Inter Milan, the way they're playing, the two goals they scored. Hang on a minute, they might top this group. All of a sudden. They're probably really up against it just to qualify for the next round. And again, it was a team in Inter Milan that went 2-0 up, playing some great football. Martinez getting um, his third goal in three matches. I mean, the the stat for that was um, the last player to do that for Inter Milan was Samuel Leto. Yeah, 2010 when 2010. they won it. 2010. Um, so that, that was a huge feat for them. You're 2-0 up, but again, second half, they came out and they said, come on then, what have you got? Try and break us down. And the two of the goals... When you look at it, Inter Milan actually had their defensive line of five on their own penalty area. It's it's a lovely deep line trying to break down, but Dortmund had willing runners from midfield, little slip passes. It was very much like Man City. It was like watching Man City. When they get in them areas and they get the byline and they're doing little cutbacks or they're smashing them across goal, and I just felt that Inter Milan had almost been a bit naive again and saying, don't our job, we've got two away from home. Let's see if they can break well, that, us down. That's what you'd expect, though, and, and at that level, and that's especially the Italians in that experience. They go, okay, we're two 0 up away from home. Let's bunker in, settle in. We keep our, our shape. We don't don't give anything away. But then once you get a bit of momentum, if you're doing that, once you're into that mindset, how do you get that back out to go and try and win the game? Once you cop a couple of goals. Well, I thought it was game over. Two 0 I'm saying, you know, two goals away from home, an Italian team, like you say, 
job mm. done. But wow, Dortmund, I'll tell you what. They're, they're going to hurt a lot of teams this season, that Champions League. At home. The way they came out in the second half, and I know we were keeping, you know, not a, a full eye on it because there was so much going on, but every time we saw that game, it was wave after wave after wave after wave. And it's very unlike Antonio Conte to give up a two-goal lead as well. So you look at that group now as well, Dave, and Barcelona in the form that they're in at the moment, and Dortmund going there in the next game and the way Dortmund is. It's good. Barca aren't guaranteed in this group, I don't think, yet. Barca, well, we've got Barca eight points, Dortmund seven in a four. And um, Slavia two. Yeah, so Inter are going to play Slavia. Yeah. So if they win that, they'll go to seven. Dortmund, if they can do something against Barca, and the final game of the group will be Barca against Inter. It's let, a great let, Champions League. It, it really is. And and everyone says the group stage is a little bit, you know, it, it, it's very predictable. There's been great fare every morning we've been on. But let's talk Barca because... I mean, this is the reality of the modern world of football. Barca are first in in La Liga. They're still first in this group. But my goodness, Ernesto Valverde is under pressure because watching that game this morning, they just didn't have the life that you expect them to have. Slavia Prague were inspirational. I think they've been amazing nuisance value in this group and they could still determine who goes through. We saw Niko Kovac get sacked, double winner last year. I mean... Is Valverde going to last? I mean, what the expectations are so, so high there. I was going to say, it's the expectation levels of being a Barcelona manager. Um, if you get two or three dodgy results, your head's on the your head's on the chopping block. And it, it's crazy to think like that, but that is the way the modern-day manager has to operate at these top-level elite clubs like Barca, like your Bayerns. You've got to win or get a result every single week. Otherwise, there's questions getting asked. And they haven't really started this season very well. Yes, they're top and they're not firing all cylinders. Will we see a surge of Barca coming into it? They were missing Messi. They just haven't looked as dynamic in the final third for me at this moment in time. Was it Levante 3-1 defeated? Three goals in seven minutes. I mean, that's mad. And to think, Mm. you know, to... Um, to the the home advantage that they, they have with their fans, the the awe of the stadium. This was a, a another shock result. So only because it is the stature of Barcelona is he under pressure, and and I really thought this season in in La Liga, Real Madrid transition, Barca hadn't started. Atletico signing a lot of good signs, and I I think this is probably going to be one of the most incredible title challenges or races mm. in La Liga for a long mm. time. Because who is going to step up? Um, Griezmann, Antoine Griezmann. There was a moment in the game today where the commentator was was he, he even said, "Geez, are they on the same page?" Suarez was out. Griezmann got the chance to lead the line. Um, how difficult is it for him as a superstar going in and playing with Messi, struggling to assert himself? There's the dynamics not quite there. It is, and, and it is dynamics, like you say. There, you, you know, you, he was at Atletico. He was the main man, and and it was comfortable. Everything was around him. It was built around him. He's gone into Barcelona. And he's let's be honest, he's not the main man now, mm. and so he's got to got to try and he's almost playing third fiddle. Yeah, and so you, you got to find your your way and and work out what what it is or what that dynamic is with those players. And and clearly at the moment they don't have it. They don't have it, and they're going to need to find it soon. Otherwise, it, it could be a because difficult season. Guzman's very good at just holding that high line. He loves to drop into the space just behind the midfielders, pick up the ball, and then go forward. Yes, he can get in around the penalty area. But that's kind of Messi's role as well. Mm. So when he... You're getting and now it, it's Suarez like is get, Yeah, it's almost like they're getting in each other's way um, on a few occasions. So it, it hasn't gelled the way I think they wanted to, wanted it to at Barcelona. Um, but it's, it's still a nice problem to have. 100%. But quick crystal ball, do you think the coach will last the season? No. Not from what I'm seeing at yeah. the moment. The, the 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 conversation the press is rampant. It, it it'll be really surprising uh, if he does. Well, the Spanish media when they're getting your back. And I know the English press is harsh, is, is harsh um, but Woodgate and David Beckham and Michael Owen when they were over there, they could not believe how how harsh the Spanish media were to, oh, towards people. Like four or five papers all on just sport. Just they've got there's no there's no space to breathe. It's claustrophobic. You're going to be under pressure as soon as any story kind of kicks off. So what else took your fancy this morning as we wrap it up with Zenit losing at home to Nul to RB Leipzig? They might be able to progress to the knockout stage for the first time in their history. Liverpool two one against Genk. We will touch on Liverpool in depth shortly. They go one point clear of Napoli in their group because of Napoli's one all draw with Salzburg. Big game at Anfield between the two clubs coming up shortly. Leon 3-1 against Benfica. Leon have turned their season around under Rudy Garcia. And they're a strong chance now that they're ahead of Zenit in that very, very open group. And we mentioned it, Valencia 4, Lille 1, which makes that group on tenterhooks with Chelsea and Ajax. So what else caught your mind this morning? 
I was, I was, I think Liverpool, and you, you probably look at that game, but the fact that Klopp managed his squad, looking at the City game to come ahead, I think um, he'll be very satisfied with that. Resting Robertson, Firmino, Mane, um, you know, they, they they struggled over the line against Genk, but credit to Genk, they they, they come there and, and put in a good performance. So, I think that that was a a plus and a highlight for Liverpool to still be able to manage to get that win and rest those players. Mm. And mine was a Valencia result after seeing the, you know, the the one one. They got the penalty, got back in the game, and then all of a sudden it was just um, the turned on the afterburners in the last fifteen minutes to finish the game four one. That was almost a, a message that was sent to to Chelsea and Ajax. And one of you has or both years have slipped up. You haven't got the maximum points, and um, we're in this till the the final match of the group game. Goodness, it makes that next. Couple of match days, absolutely compelling. If you listen to us on Wednesday on your commute, of course, there's a full suite of games on Thursday to look forward to. We've got Bayern Munich and Olympiakos and Lokomotiv Moscow against Juventus as the early kickoffs. PSG hosts Club Bruges, Real Madrid versus Galatasaray, Red Star, Belgrade, and Tottenham, of course, is our main game. Dinamo Zagreb against Shakhtar Donetsk and Atalanta against Manchester City and Bayer Leverkusen against Atletico Madrid. Pick of the action for you, boys. The pick of the action for me is actually Bayern against Olympiacos. I know it's top against bottom, but it should be a huge result for Bayern, but they're going to be without a manager. Mm. We, we think going into that one, I would say so. <laughs> and um, So that that's a, a, could be a shock on the cards for that one. Yeah, for me, I think it has to be Red Star Tottenham. I think, um, obviously, Tottenham wiped the floor of them in previous previous game at home, but but going over there to Belgrade, they're going to they're gonna be for a tough run. And, Obviously, with with what's happened, and there's a few few doubts um, with obviously Harry Kane and Son, how how he is mentally. I think that that's going to be a it's an important game and a very tough one there. Five nil last time, but Tottenham haven't won on the road since they knocked Ajax out of the Champions and, League. And right, the group, all right, come on, <laughs> calm down, you Chelsea <laughs> fan. And, and Red Star haven't lost English opponents at home. Yeah, the group is tighter than you would think. This is actually, if for all the tests that Pochettino has had in the last six weeks, this is actually after the 5-0 last time, going to be a really good yardstick of this team's mentality. Yeah, it certainly is. And Harry Kane, back from a stomach bug, is, you know, is he going to be involved? He's travelled. Um, Son with his headspace after what had happened with the um, the Gomez challenge and getting his red card rescinded. Lamella, possible doubt as well, was fantastic in the last game against them um, when they played. So it's it's a massive opportunity. And I, I believe that Tottenham have got to win this one. They, yeah. they can't draw it. They've got to go and get the win. Rightio, then give us an answer. You mentioned Bayern Munich before and how amazing a club of that stature is literally without a manager at the moment after sacking Niko Kovac uh, earlier this week as a result of that shambolic 5-1 defeat it was on the weekend. Absolutely incredible stuff. Um, We go to finish this sentence and I ask you, Bridgie, sacking Niko Kovac after winning the double last season was a knee-jerk reaction. I I, I think they've just jumped in and there's got to be more to this. They've won the, the League and Cup double last year. They got beat 5-1, but they had a player sent off in the first five minutes of a game. So you're, you're on the back foot already. I'd, I just feel what he's been doing is when they destroyed Tottenham 7-2 in the Champions League, when you're getting results like that, you've got to be doing something right as a manager. I don't know whether some of the players have had a say in this because he has come out or it has come out since his sacking that he was... Um, getting at Nabry, he'd had a go at a few of the other players saying that you weren't good enough to do this, do that. I don't know whether it's these demeanour or the way he's been speaking to his players inside that dressing room that has added to this sacking. I think you might be on to something there because a lot of the, the German media reports and the experts and the guys who are well connected there, their coverage of it is that you had a guy who doesn't have the aura of a Klopp or a Mourinho or an Ancelotti or a Guardiola who a lot of these players have been managed by and his tactical shortcomings meant he did lose the dressing room. Look, what was it like as a player in a dressing room if you were in a situation where you just didn't rate the manager and he, or he didn't, you know, how there's no recovery from him from there on, is there? It's not. If you lose a dressing room, you, you, it's just a matter of time. You you need the dressing room, and and that doesn't mean you have to be best mates with them, and you know. But you need to have and demand that respect. And the moment you lose that respect, uh, the, you're gonna, you're going to fall short because the players are going to going to start taking shortcuts and and not really giving two hoots at what happens with you. And and you'll see. I'm sure you'll see a reaction because if that's the case, and they they were pushing to get him out the door, and you'll see how they come good. But it is amazing that you can win seven two. Some would argue that on the strength of individual motivation because he was apparently, you know, tactically had shortcomings. Um, but that's why I'm saying, Dave, when you're getting results like that, 
and you've still got some unrest and unharmony in the squad of players that have obviously been saying things to certain people at the football club about their their manager. Um, and they've obviously monitored the way he's been doing his team talks or whatever has gone on behind the scenes. There is more to this story than just that yeah. result. Okay, so their new manager should be Mourinho for me. I think um, look, he's, he's he's a proven top manager. I think he's he's been through Europe, um, obviously in Spain, in Italy, in England. I think what better opportunity to go to Germany at the top club in Germany? Do you really think Bayern are going to let? Mourinho come in and play the type of football that Bayern play on the attacking scale and Mourinho comes in and goes oh we'll shut shop and we'll win games 1-0 please do me a favour <laughs> for me it's got to be Arsene Wenger he's been doing he's been out the game he, you know he's I'd love to see him back he knows how to defend he knows how to attack and I, I, he's been doing a lot of media at the moment he's been getting himself back out there he's turned down some big jobs in, in China I do believe for money uh, and I think this job could have just come at the perfect time for him. And he speaks German. Does he? Apparently. Never. Apparently. So- Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Uh, that's, what <laughs> that's what he's been doing the last six months, <laughs> learning German. It's interesting because this is a side, as you say, Bridget, that they love to play good football, but at the moment, that was what Kovac couldn't get out of them. And, and that's what I'm saying now. Clubs, Brighton is the perfect example. They got a manager in that they believed... They, they fitted their philosophy now in the way they want to play. Barcelona have this philosophy. You're not going to get a manager coming into Barcelona and changing to a 4-4-2 and playing defensive shape because it ruins their whole curriculum from top to bottom. And I think Bayern's probably the same. They're going to look at the manager that is not just about his, his presence, his aura. They're going to look at the style of football they play to match up with how Bayern and the fans want to see this, this club playing. Well, back to you then, Luke, on, on your man Mourinho. What about Jose Mourinho at Arsenal? Would be, that's what he was saying before. Bridgie thinks he's going to go to Arsenal or he should go to Arsenal. It'd be perfect. Is that because you don't support Arsenal? Yeah, because I want to see Mourinho at Arsenal so he can take them to the dungeons and the cauldrons. And the <laughs> that's why I know. How can you go from Wenger to Mourinho? How can Mourinho go to the club that he mocks so mercilessly for so many years? It would be Not perfect. Possible. No way. It'd be perfect. But there are a few tra- there are a few dominoes here to fall though. Because well, I would just like to see and watch Arsenal TV when Mourinho's oh name God. is announced because it would be carnage. But you know what? The guys that are available, Allegri, Mourinho, um, you mentioned uh, Wenger. Arsenal, are they going to stick it out with Emery to try and make sure they get their man in case that same person is going to go to Bayern? Maybe they actually need Mourinho to sort out their defence, offensive problems. <laughs> True. Hey, wh- a question without notice was broke during while well, we're on the show this morning. Speaking about leadership and the the, f- the way Arsenal being run, Granit Xhaka got stripped yeah. of his captaincy. Yeah. Um, is that a blessing in disguise for Emery? Because he, thanks to em- uh, Xhaka's behaviour, he doesn't have to pick him now. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, it was the players that voted him in. So very know? cynical, but sorry. No, I, I believe I, b- I believe that is. And I, <laughs> do you know what it is? I, I think Xhaka, the way it's it's happened, it's manufactured itself. He's probably thinking, right? I can just try and concentrate me football instead of pretending to be a leader of this football club because, you know, he's not... We're not just the only ones having a go. There's been a lot of the media. Gary Neville's come out and said when he looks at him and the, the demeanour and what, and what he's seen of him, doesn't seem like the old-fashioned type of leader. Mm. It's almost like your best mates have picked you because, you you know, you're, you're, good at, you're good at whatever you think you do. A, a captain is completely different. You've got to lead by example on the park and he hasn't been the best player. Um, I don't see any leadership qualities when I see him trying to get players and say get back here and defend alongside me because he's partly at the heart of the the problems when they when they lose the ball mm. and he doesn't do his job. So I think it's a blessing in disguise for Arsenal and for Xhaka. Does Emery last? We talked about Valverde, we talked about Kovac, we talked about Mourinho, we talked about Wenger. Where does Emery sit in this puzzle? Oh, he's sitting in the manager's seat in the front seat at the moment. Uh, for how long? That's the that's a debate. I think obviously there's there's been a lot of questions and and rumours and speculation, and I think he's another one. That I'm I'm not sure we'll see the the season out. You know, me and you were doing the badges, yeah, and want to be coaches. Yeah. Oh, that's what does that say there? Is it, who wants to be the next manager? Buying is that what you're <laughs> going to put your name in? 
<laughs> no, but it's 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 fascinating. It, it's like, why do we want to get involved in this world, mm. in this career, when me and you could be in a job for six six weeks, six months, six years? It, it's Adrenaline, mate. Challenge. I know, I know. That's what it is, but that's why we love it. But all we talk about is, oh, God, I lost a couple of games. Oh, is he going to get the sack? And we're going, yeah, 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 defo. But <laughs> we're going we're to be copping this in a few years' time. Well, I was listening gaffers. to a, a German journalist today. Someone, he was asked, um, what does a Bayern manager have to do to keep his job? And he said, oh, winning the league is minimum, but if Kovac hadn't won the cup last year, they probably would have sacked him if he didn't win the cup. So good luck to you both and <laughs> come back here when you... <laughs> We'll use Optus as a safe, safety <laughs> yeah. net. Um, just lastly on on Arsenal, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as a captain, obviously a fabulous goal scorer. John Aloisi said on the pod a couple of weeks ago, he said, well, if it's not Xhaka, who actually is their leader? Well, does Aubameyang as captain almost just sum up Arsenal's dynamic? For me, he's been at least the one who's been the most consistent. And, he, and you talk about a leader or a captain, he's someone that, that's leading by example. It's not necessarily, it has to be verbally but leading by example, and he's being consistent, and your captain needs to be consistent. He's consistently leading that front line, scoring goals. Who else can you say in that team has and, been like that? And when we don't see, we only see them obviously during the games, we don't see them on a day to day basis inside the football club doing what they do and what you expect from your, your captains in your league. So it's a, it's a hard decision or question to ask, ask us, but like Luke says, I think he's hit the nail on the head. It's it's somebody that is doing it on the park for when you're looking from the outside. And mm. Yang, I mean, if you're breaking Thierry Henry's records, you must be doing a good job. Yep. Do as I do. Do as I do. And maybe, we don't know, do as I say as well. Um, when you saw Andre Gomez's injury and Son's reaction, you felt... I've, I almost vomited. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it just brought back so many memories of um, the nasty injury that I sustained against Besiktas when I'd snapped my leg in both places, looked down and was kind of like, then the pain kicked in, and then the shock kicked in, and just seeing it, you don't, you, you don't like seeing any player suffer anything like that, and it was, ju- it really gave me that butterfly sick feeling, and the goosebumps came on the arm, and it, because I was thinking back to what, what I'd gone through and the the recovery process and what he's going to go through, and it, yeah, it was it was a horrible flashback. Yeah, it's sickening. No one, no one ever wants to see that, and and I think not only him, but. You know, supporters and players around that also were a part of the incident. Um, you know, you talk about physical pain and injury, but also mental and emotional. Um, so, look, I, obviously we wish him mm. a speedy recovery and, and for those who, who witnessed it. Uh, and, I mean, I was in the UK when it happened. and Just flown back and the lads that I was in the room with watching the game, my, my mates from school are kind of, oh, let's rewind that and have a look at that again. I was like, lads... Please don't. I, I, I had to leave the room because they wanted to see how it had happened. They were looking for stuff on social media, and I'm thinking, you boys are sick. Because it's, it's not nice. You don't want to see it, but the curiosity of people that haven't been yeah. in that situation and yeah. had a nasty injury like that, it doesn't have to be in a professional game. People get that in amateur yeah, sports and things like that, and you don't want to see it. It's, uh, this is the first time I've seen the Premier League almost immediately actually cut out the actual... Uh, few seconds after the point of contact in their replay. So it actually froze and jumped from the tackle to the to Gomez on the ground. Well, I think Upper Sport got a massive um, a massive bit of credit because there was nothing... I think we were one of the only media outlets that hadn't actually published anything about the injury to show people. Um, we, and there was a great great compliment came back to say thank you. Yeah, right. No, that, well, that's an important decision you make because you've got to have respect and a bit of tact in, in those incidents. And you're probably looking at 12 to 18 months for, for Gomez now on, on the road back. So, you, you know... Really, really difficult prospect for him. All right, on a brighter note, because we're going to keep going with the Premier League theme, because this weekend we are counting down. If you can, The Premier League doesn't have a grand final, but this is as close as you're going to get to it. 3.30am on Monday morning. Set your alarm, set the day off work, do what you have to do to watch it, because it is going to be absolutely unbelievable. The last time Liverpool lost a Premier League game was, of course, the corresponding fixture last year. This one is at Anfield. Luke... Talk me through the stakes of this game. Yeah, look, it's still early in the season, but this is a, a massive, massive game. There's no denying it. I think um, you know Liverpool really have a massive opportunity. I think that I think pressure is more so on, on Manchester City because um, you know should they lose and, and that gap opens up, I think it's going to be a long way back from. Were we in a similar situation last season? Was it? Was it? What was the gap? When these two clubs met, because now it's at six points mm. at this moment in time. Mm. What was it last time? It, was it, it eight it, points? Yeah, I think it was, and it was the turn of the year. Could have gone to 11, yes. and it came back to five. That's right. So the deficit is even smaller now, and I was just thinking about the weekend of football we have just had, yes. and Liverpool were one goal down, 
City got themselves back in the game, and then Liverpool get the what was it, 87 minute Robertson, yep. then they get the late winner. That's a sign of champions when you're producing results like that. But you've got to beat your team that is in second position that is chasing you. And this is why this game is so massive because six points could become nine points or it could become three. But I want to ask about the mentality of it. And we've spoken, I feel like we've speaking about the mentality of chasing and leading and Liverpool and, and, and the pressure for literally a year, like going back this time last year. But I think what you just said about the weekend is so key because 86 minutes into both of their games, they're coming into this grand final as a six-pointer. It's three-point lead. City could go top this weekend. So I know we're earlier than we were last year, but you put those two things together, the sliding doors of that late comeback last week plus this. Is that maybe why this feels even bigger at such an early stage? Yeah, it does. And you look at that and you talk about mentality. Both these teams know how to win. Doesn't matter, you know, the games on the weekend, they dominate, they dominate their chances, crosses, and they left it late, both of them. They struggled, they they hobbled over the lump, but they found a way. The same Liverpool did against Gank with a few changes, they found a way to win. How do they do it? Fergie, Why do they keep Fergie doing time it? time has become Klopp time, yeah. hasn't it? It's, it? Because they, like you say, they're mentally, winners. they're winners, they're winners, they're the amount of chances they create, Luke's, Luke's saying that, some, at some opportunity they're going to they're gonna happen. But I, th- I believe that this this match at Anfield this season, after what happened last year, I think Liverpool have just got that extra. I don't know what it is, but they've got that extra ingredient. And I, I can see them getting a result here and taking that gap to nine points, and Liverpool fans will be absolutely going off it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Pep's demeanor, Pep Guardiola? He he sort of started the war of words straight after the game uh, with the Sadio Mane diver comments. He's retracted them this morning or tried to clarify it, whether he's clarifying it or retracted it, retracting it. That's up to you to interpret. But he said he was just making a comment on how big a deal a 94th minute penalty is as opposed to the fact that Sadio Mane is a diver. But that started a war of words. Klopp came back with, oh yeah, but what, I won't mention your tactical fouling. <laughs> so the war of words are there. Is Pep Guardiola feeling the pinch? He's feeling the pinch, yes, for sure. We said it, we've spoken before about it, that he, he's, he gets a little bit uh, more emotional than he has done in, in previous years, you know, on the sideline with the ball boys on the weekend. And, you know, and he's, he's a perfectionist and he's a winner. So he knows what's at stake. And, you know, those little one percenters, whatever it may be, he's going to try and look for that little edge to get, get this victory. And the extra pressure from the owners about the Champions League. Mm. They want the Champions League delivered. And I remember early on the season he was given a plea: Can the fans come and support mm. us in the Champions League? And it 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 was sad to actually hear that. But the the pressure's on this season. Fernandinho playing centre half. They got exploited against um, South. Was it Southampton who exploited yeah. them? In? So it's um, yeah. I, I'm I'm going to say Liverpool. I'm saying Liverpool, and they're going to win. It was so interesting. Mika Richards was here with the Premier League trophy two weeks ago, and he actually said because he's very involved with the club, and he actually basically said, yeah. We're only human. Pep's won the Premier League twice. If you had to choose, we actually do want the Champions League. It is literally what the club is thinking. And that, you talk about one percenters, Luke, that's a one percenter. That edge, that drive to want to get They want to tick that box. They want to. And, um, you know, that's normal in life as clubs or people, you know, you go through and you actually want to achieve something. You want something. You want to tick it. Once you've ticked it, you can focus on something else. And Klopp's ticked the Champions League. Liverpool have ticked the Champions League before with Benitez. They haven't ticked the Premier League. So it's it's interesting. It's almost like yeah, both clubs yeah. are fighting out for two different opportunities of what the actual club yeah. and the fans want delivered. Fascinating. Okay, Crystal Ball, you've said Liverpool, but both of you, tell us how this game plays out to get to the result that you're predicting. <laughs> well, after last weekend, it'll be nil-nil until the 87th minute and then it'll finish 3-2 to Liverpool. <laughs> that sounds all right. No, look, I think it'll... Um it's going to be a tight affair, but but again, it's going to it's going to go right down to the last minute because both either team is still going to be in it till the end, and and both are going to be desperate you, to win it. You think it'll be tight, or it'll be like a ding dong, like like some of their previous clashes? I'm going for a two goal deficit either way, but I, I still believe Liverpool. But I think there'll be a two a two goal difference. So right end to end, high octane. Yeah. Yep. yep, they're not going to sit back yep. and that'll be late, late minute drama. That's for sure. Amazing, amazing. He said what? So to another topic now with uh, the old Ronaldo and Messi debate, but a different kind of insight. This one's from Carlos Tevez, who said, Ronaldo spends the entire day in the gym. It's an obsession. One time I did everything to get there before him. I arrived at the pitch at 6.30 a.m., but he was already there, half asleep. But there he was. Messi isn't like this. To him, it all comes naturally. Who, which teammates does this remind you guys of? <laughs> 
obviously not myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, back back in the days, I think um, I was like that. If you, if you talk about being there early, I hate to be late. So if I'd always like to, there's not many people if I'm going to an appointment or something that are going to beat me there. Um, as in a player, geez. That's true. That's still now. You beat me to the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I was still driving in and yeah, you were I'd, here before um, me. Yeah, it's, it's one of my things. There's, there's not a lot. And, I, and I've had that now with my, my fitness coach who, who sometimes wants to go and try and meet, beat me to, to a meeting. He comes half an hour early and I'm already sitting there yeah. having a coffee. He goes, fair think of me. He goes, I tried to, tried to get here and beat you for once. I said, no chance. Well, I, I see it between, um, like I look at a Harry Kuehl and a David Batty. Two different positions. But Harry was a true professional. Would do the gym sessions at, at, the, at the ground. And he, he taught me a lot as well, Harry, because I'd come from Sunland. I was a skinny skinny kid, and we didn't really do any gym sessions at Sunland. I always won, won the running races, whether it was short distance or long distance. I, I hated losing, but I'd never seen the other side of the game. And when I went to Leeds, the, the gymnasium was there, the the sports side of it, and I'd see somebody like Harry Kuehl coming in early, doing his gym work. He'd go home, he had a gym in his, his house, and he was doing his you know doing his bench presses there, and he, he, he was a fine specimen of a man. And obviously he had that politics deal over here where he was in his undies that would never use me <laughs> with a shot in my undies because they wouldn't have sold any. And I learned a lot from from Harry when I got the club. And then I saw somebody come at the end of his career, like David Batty, who would never, he would go into the gym, he would open the door and then he would just say hi to the fitness coach and then he would go <laughs> off to the canteen. And he was the last one into train. He was the first one to, to leave. And, you know, it, it's interesting because they both had fantastic careers. Um, but Harry had a natural ability and he worked at it, whereas David Batty just had a natural ability and, and couldn't be bothered, really. I, I tell you what, I think Messi must do a little bit in the gym because he's, even today, in his uh, back end of his career, I don't know if you saw, he took someone on in his in his own half and seared through and nearly uh, scored off the back of it. So we talked earlier about Barcelona. He almost individually took them out of the fire today. So whatever he's doing, it's, it's damn worked. Um, to another random topic, I don't know if you guys saw Chris Camera of Sky Sports fame. Uh, unbelievable, Jeff, and, and missing red cards and being around the grounds uh, over there. He's released a Christmas album. And to all of our shock and horror, he's got an unbelievable voice. Hey, I'll hey, hey, tell you what, Bridgie, no, I've got to, I've got to get you here. On. I, I, I didn't realise that Bridgie could actually bang one out too. He was, he was trying to... Before early on, on the show, <laughs> remember you used to have to sing along. I said on my little hey? sing song. I never I said it was good. I was, imp- I was impressed, oh, yeah. mate. I was impressed. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my only friend. Damn! I did, wish we didn't have. We had the snore side effect. We used to have that. We don't have that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> or the gong. We need the gong. Don't <laughs> give it a go. <laughs> but I did hear Chris Kamara. Um, he's, he does these talks around England. And I heard him doing a talk. He's fantastic because he always says how crap he was as a footballer and how good he is as a pundit. But he always does a karaoke song at his events and he's unbelievable. So this is this is no surprise. That's an unbelievable album. Which player or teammate of yours had, had a secret hidden talent like this that no one would have suspected? <laughs> well, at Leeds United, the lad didn't realise that they had a... Everybody had to do a song at Christmas, the young kids, and we would either throw eggs or tomatoes at them, um, depending on how bad they were. And it was humili- It was a humiliation factor. And then Nicky Byrne got up, who was a, a youth team goalkeeper, started singing this song and ended up singing with Westlife. So the rest was history. And we, he's the only lad I haven't seen get hit with eggs or tomatoes. He was that good. We were like, more, more. What, and what happened to his football career? He didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> he went on to have number one. He was, he was actually crapping goal. Well, hang on. He literally was in Westlife. Yeah, well, Nicky Byrne, Westlife singer. Well, there you go. I'm going to Google that up. Google afterwards. that up, man. Bloody Honestly, well, that's, that was easy to find a talent. Obviously, it wasn't football, was it? Wow. You have one, Luke? No, I don't have one. I'm not, not off the back of that. <laughs> like someone who went on to be Westlife. <laughs> oh, here's a good yarn. That was a good yarn, and this is a good yarn. Uh, four years ago, Monday was 19, 19 years. Jeez, 19 years since Mark Viduka's four goals against Liverpool. So. In the spirit of, I have a theory. Thanks, Dave, on, thanks, uh, thanks, mate. Feeling really old right I'm now. Just, how are you feeling, Bridgie? Mate, I was just going to say, please go to Luke because I just feel sick thinking how old oh we are. Oh my now. god, we have. I have a theory here uh, with our social media. A Vaduka post today keeps the doctor away. The fans just love Big. Did you see how big his his message to Leeds United went? Oh, everyone loves Big Dukes. He's got this myth and enigma because he's he's been living under a rock. And when he did a video like that, we're kind of like. The big man, he's, he's alive. Here. He's still here. So in the spirit of that, come on, both of you have played with club and country. Give us your best Dukes, Jan. 
Duke, Duke's is a legend for me, both on the field and off the field. He's. Um, I remember when I left Middlesbrough and he he come to Middlesbrough and I went back there one time, and the the kit lady was there and I come in and going oh so how's how's Duke's been settling in how's how's he been, and um, and she's going yeah he's great he's been brilliant she goes but if he was any more laid back he'd fall over <laughs> that's what they said. <laughs> And he was he was that kind of guy. He's so laid back. He's so chilled. He's um and obviously everyone knows what he can do on a football pitch. Well, well he was a breath of fresh air because at Leeds United, he, he'd come in and it's it's like Luke says he would just walk in. He'd go good eye boys and he would just walk around. He'd say good day to the tea lady and he'd say what's going on today boys, and he he was he was he was almost walking like you say horizontally. <laughs> And then you'd think he would turn it on and train and be bothered. And he was still horizontal. And he was kind of like, yeah, yeah, this is good. Yeah, whatever. But then when it came to game day and he was on, <laughs> like you say, that Liverpool, you, you couldn't touch him. So the pre-season when he turned up, it was actually the second season. Um, I realised how good this guy was. But I was saying we were doing this fitness run and it was a thing called tens and you had to get up and down the field as quick as you could and you had to get in a certain time. If you didn't, you had to do it again. And I'll never forget Vaduk's just saying, I'm not going to be able to do it the first time. So don't even bother doing it the second time. And O'Leary had said to him, well, if you don't get through pre-season, you don't do it. You won't play the first game of the season. And I remember thinking, oh, I might have a chance here. And Vaduk said, yes, I will, mate, because I'm your best player. <laughs> Did he literally say that? Yes, he came out and said that. But he said it in a funny way, not an obnoxious way. He actually said, yeah, you, and he was laughing. Yeah, you will, mate, I'm your best player. And, and the lads <laughs> laughed and like, he's right. And guess what happened? He played first game, game of the season. Oh, yeah, the coach by the, by the you know what. What was he like as you, you were coming into the Socceroos in 2006? What was he like as the the, the, the skipper, which was obviously a, a huge play from hitting? That was a masterstroke from hitting. Um, you know, and that was one thing about hitting and being able to get the best out of players. And Duke's obviously, you'd probably say his, his Socceroos career up until then wasn't at to the levels that you, you would probably expect with his ability. Um, but that time when he didn't come in and just, just saw it in him to give him that role, as a captain, and it did. It just brought that little bit more out of him for the national team, and he and he just, yeah, he's phenomenal. Like I said, the kind of bloke he is, the way he plays um, the game, and yeah, that was a masterstroke from hitting. How did he take on the captaincy? Was it more of a do-as-I-do kind of situation, or did he actually take on a bit more of a, a responsibility in a different way? No, he, he's look, he's not going to be the most most vocal player on the pitch. That's, that's not Dukes, but he, he does. He leads by example, um, and he had that much respect within the group. Um, and he, 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 like I said, it just got that little bit more out of him. Something we hadn't seen in the national team, and he, he had, he, he was proud. You could see that he was proud to be out there and leading the boys, and and he was a, yeah, it was like I said, that was. So did he up his training track. methods then? Did he when he was he on? Did. did he? He did. Like I said, that you saw that little injection, like he, like he felt then. Yeah. I need to. I'm the captain. I need to show the way. There's a brilliant little anecdote on the November 15 uh, documentary that Richard Bayless put together with Ben Coonan a couple of years ago where Hitting talks about what he did with Baduka and he said, I saw him at a certain period of time and I said, next time you come back, I want to see you and he sort of makes a shape with his face. He goes, your face is here, I want to see your face like this. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, the next time he came back, you guessed it. He got him down to size. So absolutely brilliant stuff. We love talking about the big guy. Right, so much football to conclude with. We've got, the pro, we've got the Champions League Thursday, we've got the Europa League Friday, and then guess what? Seven days a week of football. Don't worry about that. We've got you covered on Optus Sport. The weekend kicks off Saturday morning with Norwich City against Watford. Will Watford ever win a game again? Saturday night kicks off with Chelsea against Crystal Palace before we go into Newcastle United against Bournemouth, Burnley against West Ham, Southampton against Everton, Tottenham against Sheffield United. What a tricky game that is. And then Leicester City against Arsenal. Wow. That's a tasty fixture. Monday morning, Manchester United against Brighton, Wolverhampton against Aston Villa, and then we wrap it up, Liverpool versus Manchester City. We've spoken about that one, but gents, your, what, what are you most looking forward to this weekend out of those other fixtures? Leicester against Arsenal. Wow. Rodgers. Home win. Unai, home, yeah, home win. I can't see any other result. Leicester, just a joy to watch. Absolute joy to watch. And um, Arsenal's away form has been disgusting since the first game against Newcastle United, so... Um, Home win. Leicester from where Arsenal want to be, up in third spot. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I agree, Bridget. Obviously, you can't go past Liverpool against Manchester City. But uh, very impressed with the way Leicester is playing, uh, results-wise, but also the football. Brendan Rodgers has got them playing. And, yeah, the, the state that Arsenal are in. And, again, another away game for Arsenal. I can't mm. see anything other than Leicester winning that. I could give them a nine-point gap over Arsenal. Mm. Mm. 
you wouldn't have thought. No. <laughs> you wouldn't have thought that's this early on in I the see, season. Man City and Liverpool be also checking over their shoulders for Leicester the way they're they're performing at the moment. There's a great profile of Brendan Rodgers and the work that he has done with Leicester since he's come in on our app at the moment. If you want to have a read from our UK columnist Daniel Story, um, and he's just done a phenomenal job with them with a record pretty much beyond compare besides Klopp and Guardiola since taking over from Claude Puel last season. The other one that picks my eye is um, Manchester United against Brighton, where Manchester United are on this run against teams, you have to say it, on their rung on the table, and they failed at the first hurdle last weekend, so can they actually break them down, actually get themselves back up on the table? It's going to be another big examination, and I tell you what, their fans are going to feel it, aren't they, where they're playing Brighton with those stakes just a couple of hours before what is now the big one, Liverpool against Manchester City. Yeah, it's uh, like you say, that is another classic fixture. They'll be sweating, they need the result. Um, Brighton playing again, nice football, home and away, they've, they've changed their style. And the other one that stood out for me is Tottenham against Sheffield United. That's a banana skin that of sorts. That is a Jeez. massive banana skin. Especially coming back from Belgrade. Yeah. Sheffield United, to wrap up, uh, they're... There's so many good stories in the Premier League, and that's probably why maybe Sheffield United are getting a bit lost. But their achievements this year, absolutely phenomenal so far. They might fall away. Who knows? But what they've done so far, absolutely brilliant. Well, they've given themselves a head start, and there's nothing worse than playing catch-up in a season. We tried that with Sunderland when we got promoted. It was all about the first... We, we brought it up into blocks of three throughout the season, and it was the first month that Peter Reid really wanted us to go for. And when we didn't achieve... That and you, you, you finally have, you're playing catch up. It was a hiding to nothing. United have given themselves that that leapfrog. Everybody thought it was going to be Norwich as well after their start, but mm. they're right down there now. Mm. So um, Sheffield United tick all round. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Well, gents, we're running out of time, and we'll get you guys to have a bit of a, a, a snooze before coming back and do some more Champions League and Europa League through the week. Great to see you, and thanks for your time today. Cheers, Dave. Great to see you, Luke. Great to be back, Dave great stuff and to everyone out there hope you enjoyed the podcast thanks for having a listen and as always until the next Gekin Pod enjoy your football every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.